Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let JC get talking. We good. Peace Podcast. This is James May along with co-host Shelvin Mack. Let's get into it, man. We got Jordan Crawford on the line. Six years NBA. Five teams. Steez, Sizzle, Lizard. <laughs> oh the Steez. I appreciate y'all having me. We got every, every, every nickname there is, man. Nah, man, just appreciate you having you on. Um, you know, just thinking about your NBA career, how long you've been going, you know, mm-hmm. five teams NBA, overseas, you know, how you feel like where you are in your career right now and, and you know, what you've been doing so far. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, my career has been, my career has been perfect for me. You know, it got me where right now currently, you know, I'm such at peace with, you know, my, my career, how I'm going about it, you know, always. You know, the one thing about my career, especially since I left the NBA the first time, it's always been on my time. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I had to do that because to keep my love for the game. You know what I'm saying? Once I seen it wasn't total in my control of how I wanted to do things when I wanted to do it, it was important for me to do it at my pace so I keep that love for it. So, you know, and and as of now, it's really – it was it's hard, it was hard throughout the career because you'd be wanting to accomplish so many things, but like at this point in my life now, it it didn't took it didn't show me like how important it was to take control of my career back then because now it's just like I'm at peace, I'm happy when the, when a lot of guys is you know still fighting and arguing for things that they want where I could just be if it come it come if it don't it's alright you know. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. That's what happened with me in my career uh, when I decided to leave and go overseas. The situation was I probably wasn't going to play. I might make the team. I might not. Nah, guarantee. I was like, I'm, I'm out. Get this guarantee. I know what I'm getting myself in, and it, it helped me out mentally, you know, mm-hmm. that whole process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. Well, talk yeah. about talk about this past year, man. You know, obviously, we was together in the G League. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you came in, and you know, had some inconsistency, had some inconsistency, mm-hmm. you know, with your legs and everything. Um, but I remember the Fort Wayne game, we played you extended minutes. Mm-hmm. I think you had like 36, shot over 50% from two and three. You know, we got hints of of the old JC. Um, mm-hmm. You know, fast forward to now, last week you was in town, back in shape, big legs, you know what I mean? We dropped that video and reading all the comments, you know, guys were saying that you're one of the craziest buckets to play this game. Uh-huh. You know, um, yeah. what's your opinion on that? Your your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I always, you know, my whole my whole career has <laughs> been an inconsistent like role. I never had a a role that was legitimate for a whole year. Like I know I'm playing throughout the whole year. So, I what it says is I just took full advantage of my all my opportunity that I was given. You know what I'm saying? And to play, like, I, you know, I probably only played a total of 300 NBA games, but I remembered, like, I played 10, 12 years. And that's because 
every time I was on that floor, I was giving somebody something, you know, something to watch. So I, that's, you know, I appreciate that because I could have easily been six, seven years pro, average 2.8 points. Nobody know. They just, nobody remember me. They just glad he played in the NBA. But I kind of remember because of my, they know I'm going out there and I'm going to try to do whatever I can. So when people do say things like that, I appreciate it because it shows that they understand like what I was on. Cause a lot of my roles been so inconsistent that I didn't have to switch up my playing style in the middle of the season. Like, okay, we bring you back to the bench. You only getting 15, 20 minutes. So my train of thought is going to be, all right, I'm only getting 15 minutes. I'm going to make these, I'm going to get 10 shots in 15 minutes. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? So, right. you know, that's kind of been my mindset, kind of my whole career, wherever I went, even outside the NBA, you know, it's just make, I'm a when I leave here, you're gonna remember me type thing. A lot of people don't know me and Jordan Crawford played together my rookie year in DC. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a that was a, a weird team, funny team. <laughs> you you want to elaborate on, on any on any of the stories you got from that team, man? Oh was, yeah. I, I mean there's, it was, a, there's a yeah. lot going on. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing about being on bad teams, you know what I'm saying? That shit just it's like it's like the wild wild west when they get to that middle of the season. Yeah, we, we started off on oh, 18. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh up. yeah. That shit, man. That shit was just a lot of it was just such a mixed group of people that cared versus people that didn't care. Versus like, you know, and once you thrown in it, you can't separate yourself. It's like all oh, y'all the same. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, speaking of the buckets, as like one of the teams I actually got to see Jordan. Jordan actually get get jiggy with it. We also, we had Nick Young on the team. So I, to me personally, y'all the two most talented guys I I didn't play with. They can just get a bucket at any moment. You know, I didn't. Mm -hmm. I played with Gordon. Also played with Joe with Joe Johnson and you know Rodney Hood. But the way y'all score is completely different than now. Did y'all did y'all ever play one on one? You and Nick. We we played one on one. Like before the like before my draft, he used to come work out with me and PG. We used to play one on one. But that not, was but not during the season over or anything? Nah, nah, not for real. You know, Nick by that time Nick was like seven, eight years in. You know, he was kind of on some man, hold up. Somebody taking my minutes. Let me go ahead and get somewhere else. <laughs> that's, how, that's how Nick was. Uh, how did how did you go between them roles? Just kind of like, you know, in college, Indiana first. Transfer to Xavier, you know, you double your yeah. points per game. Same thing, you know, just getting to the Wizards, able to put up points, you know, going back to Europe, coming back, you know, yeah. came back to New Orleans, was able to put up points. You know, talk about that experience. What's your mindset when you're just coming out of, you know, like kind of like a gap and 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 yeah. changing your mentality to be aggressive again? Yeah, the mind you gotta get more careful as you get older. But when I was younger, it was kind of just easy to just you know, show up and be that guy. But if I could, do, honestly, if I could do it all over, man, my mom would be my agent and I'd be a, try to be a point guard throughout my whole career. You know what I'm saying? Because I really feel I was a better passer than scorer. But coming up, I was so, always so, so, so what? I, I was. <laughs> I, I was. don't believe that. Hell no. I'm, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But I was always been put in a role where it was like I had to score. So, and I, you know, I got horny off scoring. That shit was fun to say. So, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, it was just, it's, it's like, it's demanding because you always got to be in that killer. So even when you killing, you got to be like, ah, I got to keep doing it. So it's a demanding thought process, but 
you know, it's like the only way I can make an impact. You know, that's how I used to feel. Yeah, Gentry let you come in. He And I heard a reporter say something about he had a player-friendly system. Mm-hmm. And uh, speak to, you know, just that experience with him where, where there was a system you were actually accepted into for your scoring role, and they just say, hey, just just go get it. And how that, you know, affected your career, how you feel that that helped you or hurt you? Well, it, it well, I'm going to tell you something. It, <laughs> until I start doing it, it be cool until I start doing it. Once I start doing it, they be like, hold up, we got to, we got to set him back a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And that's what it was in New Orleans. It was like my first, you know, the first 12, 14 games. They're like, man, you know, I scored double figures every game, first 14 games. But then when they got to like, you know, when they seen like we throw him out here, he's going to kill. They started like, ah, we're going to scale it back. So, but it just, by, by that time, you know, in New Orleans, I didn't care about the small stuff, like not playing that many minutes and, you know what I'm saying? When I got back in the league with New Orleans, I didn't care about none of that. Like, y'all going to play me 12 minutes? I'm still getting nine, 10 points. You know what I'm saying? And that helped me because it freed my mind from little stupid stuff. Like, damn, man, they ain't playing me enough. You know what I'm saying? When you ain't worried about that, oh, man, you you out there, it's too easy to play. Yeah. With that, <clears throat> with that, um, what would you say it was your best year playing basketball? Then also your worst year that made you have that shift and change. Mm-hmm. My best year was that that G League slash going to New Orleans, that D League, because all I did in that D League that year was crazy, plus, you know, how I finished that. And then my worst year was probably, it had to be, it probably was the Wizards because I was still learning. So it was like that year when I got traded, I would say just the ups and downs and just not, taking advantage of the opportunities, you know what I'm saying? Because I lived a minute away from the arena, but I never went putting up extra shots, you know what I'm saying? I always was kind of angry because I didn't like the way I was playing, not enough. So I'll say, you know, the Wizards was my worst because it was just me not taking advantage. Like, if I could go back and just put up shots, because when I got the Warriors, that's my first start really putting up shots, like, Okay, yeah. Steph and Clay, they playing, getting 30s, then they happy as hell to go put some shots up the next day. I'm like, all right, man, I'm going to do that too. You know what I'm saying? So I'll say that. You dropped some 40 balls playing with the Warriors as well, right? Yeah, I dropped a 40 ball, yeah. yeah. What's, your, yeah. what's your career high? 41, it was that one. I only yeah. had one 40-point game. I had a 39 my rookie year with the Wizards. Yeah. You, uh, <laughs> you were in China. Your second year, I think you was averaging what over forty a game. I think. Yeah. Right yeah. now, just thinking on getting ready to go back there, like, like how do you duplicate that? Like, how do you get back to to scoring forty a game again if if that's what people expect every time you walk in the door? Well, I, well, what I'm trying to, what I'm going to be on this year is going to be scoring like that, but even more efficient and trying to win win because I was on the team where we couldn't win. I, I had got there we was already one in eleven. You know, depending on what team you go to, you know, that's the level of your local players. So I would just go there and just try to be, like, as efficient as possible, get any shot that I want, and just do it at my pace. That's what I think will show even better than when I went last time. Because when I went there last time, I was shooting. I shot 30 shots a game, I had 43, but I was – my percentage was 50. You know, I was shooting 50% from the field. Yeah. I was making 15 shots a game. 
You was literally shooting 30 shots a game? Yeah, like 31. Well, you got to be in some shape to do that. Didn't get tired. <laughs> Did not get tired. <laughs> yeah. I was shooting like, yeah, for sure. I was, it was getting to a point where I was, at halftime, I was always having like 27, 28. Then I, my brother was there with me and I used to be like, how much you think I can get? Like going into the second half. And that shit used to be like training mentally though. Like thinking like, damn, I got 30, but I'm trying to go get 50. That shit was like mentally, that shit was draining. Like it was hard to just stay on that that whole time I was there. Yeah, so how, how, how is your experience living overseas? Do you usually take somebody with you? You by yourself? Like how you, how you handle that? You know, when I went, I took my family with me. It's a transition. Mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people understand the mental capacity you got to have to not be able to talk to anyone that speaks English. Yeah. After, after shoot around or after practice, you go home, you by yourself. There's no one to talk mm -hmm. to. Like, how, how you deal with that? Well, you know, I'm 34. I still ain't got no kids. So, I mean, I go over there by myself, but it it definitely get harder. Like, it's hard. Nah. Like, I would love to have somebody with me and some people, you know what I'm saying? Now, that should be It'd be rough, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, I just, I'm in such a gratitude part of my life where I'm so thankful for things. Like, you know, I just know how to be one with myself. You know what I'm saying? Talk to, you know, just try to find my find my niche, find my pace in that whole little situation wherever I'm at and just, you know, one day at a time. Yeah. But that's why well, I, too, did... only go when I'm ready because <laughs> I can't just go. Nah, I'll tell you on that. I mean, yeah. both of you guys started in the NBA. I, I didn't start in the NBA. Um, that transition had to be tough for you guys, didn't it? Oh, man. Oh, man. I remember the first time with the China. And, I, and we was about to play a game. And, this, and one of the Chinese dudes was uh, taping his own ankles. I said, <laughs> shit. I said, shit. This is where I'm at now? That was the first thing I thought. Like, oh, my goodness. This is crazy. Uh. Yeah, yeah. I, I was forced another gun in some, some good situation. Uh, I went to Milan and we had Messina, who was just in the NBA for five years, and you know, he's the man, mm -hmm. the president. So he made it very NBA like, you know, we charter charter flights, mm -hmm. training staff, uh, so chef, all that. So it was it was a smooth transition for me, but like like JC said, I did it on my own terms. I kind of knew what I was getting myself into as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, though, too, where, uh, like, people got to understand, like me, when I go jump in the middle of a season somewhere overseas and I'm playing against guys, they got to know how mentally it is and how hard it is for me to come from, okay, I went from the NBA where I'm getting all this, getting baby luxury shit, and then I'm going to the jungle to play against you, and I ain't afraid, you know what I'm saying, versus that you start, second, third division somewhere over Europe and you building yourself up, it's easier to to fight that battle versus somebody that's, you know what I'm saying, being a culture shock to them versus like, hey, I done seen it all. Now, you know what I'm saying, you meeting to go play against them, it's a, it's two different, you know what I'm saying, mentalities that you, you that's, that's up against each other. And it's like, it's a battle that you have to be prepared for, for sure. A lot of guys, a lot of guys don't realize, you know, the, the adjustment it takes to play overseas, especially coming from the NBA. Um, and they just say whatever they want. You know, like, you know, we spoke mm -hmm. about Dwight Howard, you know, going over to Taiwan. You know, when I watched the video, I saw a player having fun. I saw a player mm -hmm. enjoying basketball again, being excited. You know, mm -hmm. then you got people coming on TV and stuff and, you know, saying, oh, he ain't playing against nobody, he's playing against midgets, he's doing this, mm -hmm. he's doing that, you know, but 
player having fun, man. You know, what do you, mm-hmm. what you think? Yeah, I mean, that's the, you know, that's the, that's the beautiful thing about once someone open up and they do go overseas. You know what I'm saying? I would love for Isaiah Thomas, DeMarcus Cousins, Lou Will, whoever having trouble mentally, like to get up, like go do that because it, it allows you, you, you put yourself in so much more position of power. You know what I'm saying? Mentally for yourself and for your career. You know what I'm saying? It opens you up to where it's like, I'm not just stuck on one mindset. You, you know what I'm saying? So, and then them, them, that, that's small. That's a small way of thinking when people be like, oh, he ain't playing against nobody over there. That's just because you was never strong enough to go do it. You know what I'm saying? We ain't going to sit here and talk about, like when Shaq do that, we ain't going to sit here and talk about Shaq. Like you ruined your career with Penny. You ruined it early with Kobe. You know what I'm saying? We ain't talking about that, but you want to down somebody else because he had to go continue his career somewhere you ain't had to do. It's like, you if you can ignore that, man, you good. You ain't nothing to worry about. Yeah, what you, yeah, speaking of that, what do you think of like, like old players trying to tell uh, no guys what to do? Like, even we still talk about the Dwight shit. Uh, mm-hmm. With Kurt Rambis, I think he said something to him. It's like, he got yeah. like, what do you think yeah. about that? Hey, that annoys me. That annoys me. That annoys me because, <laughs> because it's like you got to understand that he's Dwight Howard at the end of the day. No disrespect to Kurt Rambis, but Kurt Rambis, you was never Dwight Howard. So when you had his talk with Dwight Howard, just know, you know what I'm saying? Come at him with respect. Be like, all right, you, you ain't going to play the minutes Dwight Howard usually play, but you still cold. Don't be like, you ain't Dwight Howard no more. Like, a weak Dwight Howard is better than a good Kurt Rambis. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and that's important. That's, you know what I'm saying? I think it's, it's big for the NBA to start hiring people that keep it gate that's gatekeepers of the game. Cause it's more important that we keep the game good than we, you know what I'm saying? We make whatever story we want to make for the NBA cause it's important the NBA stay the best in the world. We need the NBA to stay the best in the world. If you don't hire people that's like, you know, was, you can't, you can't have Kurt Rambis coach a John Morant. We, they ain't gonna never relate. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's important that you hire people that, you know, did sort of things like John Morant so he can, bam, we can relate a little better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that makes the game better. So I was on the internet searching, you know, getting ready for this interview. Mm-hmm. And then I seen some stuff come up and said, Jordan Crawford gets body by a podcaster. I clicked on it. I was, like, I was like, what is this? <laughs> Explain me the story. What happened? Let the folks know what happened. Man, I didn't forgot really, but I the nigga had just said my name randomly and some shit, and I had seen it. Like I remember, I, I, I remember seeing that they um the dude started talking about the crossover league, Jamal Crawford or something, and he made a mistake and said Jordan, and the guy yeah, said he was Jordan like he Crawford, weak Jamal song. Crawford. He's he said not not Jordan Crawford. That guy sucks. Yeah. So I was <laughs> and like, you came so back at him hit, on Twitter or something. Yeah. So I had to hit him like, man, your son would love to be me. You know what I'm saying? I just told him that, like, your son would love to be me. You know what I'm saying? Then he went, but I shouldn't have gave him that because that gave him the juice to just go. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I ain't giving him no more energy. But that's why I'm like, the reason why I did say something because like niggas, they get so caught up in how like the NBA and whatever the NBA make you out to be. Now the the people that swear they 
have great knowledge of the game, they think like, oh, he wasn't good because it didn't happen this way in the NBA. Not knowing, can't nobody fuck with me. That's how I be, you know what I'm saying? That's how I wake up every day. Like, it ain't a single soul that can fuck. So sometimes I do let that shit get to me and be like, man, listen, you got no idea, my nigga, about this hoop shit. You know what I'm saying? So that's the only reason why I said, I mean, your son would love to be me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Just I, to- I, I definitely <laughs> feel that. Like, I go through it sometimes myself. I get on Twitter, somebody just might just talk better about me. Like, I led the Orlando Magic in assists with 3.7 for the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, if I let it an assist at 3.7 for the team, what does it say about everybody else? <laughs> like, always, they always coming at me. And like, it's, it's hard to hold their tongue sometimes. But yeah. I, I was wondering what happened with that. Yeah, hell yeah. But I shouldn't yeah. even gave them no energy. The media dictates so much of the game today. I mean, you just see, you know, from the from the Kyrie stuff and everything else, man, just how the media how the media could change that narrative. And you know, you got Jay Williams and guys coming out. Um, how do you think it's it's affecting players in the long run? Like, how do you think Kyrie is waking up every day? You know, sometimes we pick on guys about how they respond, but it gets tiring, doesn't it? Yeah, it gets real tired. And the crazy thing is the younger generation is seeing it. So when we get that first big time player that the NBA won't and he say he don't want to go to the NBA, that's when you're going to see the effects of all this media shit. You know what I'm saying? Because it's coming soon. That Mikey Williams or somebody who already got $10 million before he get drafted, he'd be like, man, I just want to play at OTE. You know what I'm saying? Like, he might do that. Like, this might happen soon. You know what I'm saying? So, it the my thing is just, like, you for the NBA to be great, they don't have to, like, try to control inside the game. You can, can the NBA can control the business side, how that shit go, but you ain't got to, okay, force this guy to make him a superstar. Because now, it's the, it's the shit that's happening with Russ and James Harden. Rustin played this exact way since he's been at OKC. Ain't nothing changed. He a little less athletic, but he always missed the mid-ranges. He shot 12 of them, he'd make four. People thought this shit was automatic. No. If we would have corrected him back in OKC, we wouldn't have this crash-out moment when he with Lakers now. And now everybody's just saying he's terrible. Oh, he jumped when he passed and throw it. He been doing that, but y'all yeah. was trying to make them a superstar when y'all could have just said the truth and he still would have been a superstar. All right, Russ is this cold, but he just need to work on this. You telling the kids that now they're going to grow up to be like, okay, I could be like Russ, but even better. You know what I'm saying? That's my right. thing with the media. Like, y'all ain't got to just, oh, James Harden have no weaknesses. No, say his weaknesses was still, he's still the superstar. You know what I'm saying? That was my thing. That's my thing with the media. Gotcha. And then, um, how do you, how do you feel about this? You no, know, the players, some you no, know, made some mistakes in your career, or whatever. But obviously, you transitioned, got better, understand the game a lot more. Where people mm-hmm. always had the same, you know, thought process uh, process for you when you was with the Wizards. How do you mm-hmm. feel about that, and how you handle that that situation? I mean, that shit get it's annoying. You know what I'm saying? It's annoying because I never got to show how like a growth. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I never got to show how good I was. Like, you got to think about a player like me coming into the NBA. I got to learn. Like, I always could make any shot. So so I had to learn, okay, I could pass up on this shot. You know what I'm saying? That's going to take year three, year four, year five. You know what I'm saying? To where it's like, ooh, I know I can get this exact shot every single day I go play. You know what I'm saying? So 
it's annoying that I never got to show my growth, but I, you know what I'm saying? That it just shows that I was honestly, I was bigger than the NBA. You know what I'm saying? My like the way I carry myself is just a little more, you know, just a little too much. You know what I'm saying? Especially <laughs> when they put me in a role, you know what I'm saying? When they start putting me in this 13, 14, 15 man role, and I still show up and Anthony Davis and Demarcus Cousins want to hang with me every day. It's like, it, it, you know what I'm saying? It makes, yeah. it fucks up shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, when I got in New Orleans, I actually got cut because of my influence. You know what I'm saying? So, I can't, it ain't nothing, it ain't nothing I can control, really. How how did they address that there? Just with the influence um, part? You They didn't address it. They just, you know what I'm saying? They nipped it in the butt, for real. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But then they had their own, like, Del Dennis and Alvin Gentry had a little battle within each other, so they kind of used me to make each other mad type thing. So I was like a casualty, you know, from that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it, you know, I always, like, when when it was going down, I was just like, all right, am I going to, these things I learned about playing the game, Am I going to do it right here or I'm going to be me? Like, I can't change who I am because then I'm going to change who I am on the court. Yeah. So, right. you know, I just was like, hey, if this if this is what it is, this is what it's going to be. But I can't I can't change, you know what I'm saying? But I did see it was days where I remember I remember I was talking AD and DeMarcus had come up to me and I see Dale Demps in the office looking under his, like, <laughs> <laughs> under his shade, looking at me like, why is they howling? Why is they talking to him? You know what I'm saying? Why is they I, talking to their teammate right now? Yeah, <laughs> why are they talking to him? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it was things that, like, it, I got so many stories that's just like, damn, I brought out a lot of people in powers insecurities, and there's nothing I can do with that, you know? No, that's crazy. Yeah. Hell of a roller coaster. Yeah. But it made me, it allowed me to be this person today, being 34 and excited to go to China. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't have been this if I had went to the NBA eight straight years, 10 straight years. You know what I'm saying? I would have been fat and comfortable. You know what I'm saying? So, right. it allowed me to stay, be even sharper than I would have been, you know? Yeah. yeah. Tell, me, sure. tell me about when they, um, remember we were talking about, uh, Lou Will the other day, and you were saying, you know, you the big homie when you walk in. Everybody talks to you like the big yeah. homie. <laughs> tell me, <laughs> tell me about that. I mean, that's just kind of my mindset, you know what I'm saying. But I, I have gained the respect from players where they know, like you know, if you you know Jordan, you know he gonna bring it. You know he think he the best. Ain't nothing I can do that's gonna stop him from thinking that way. So right. you know it, you know, and I have. You know, my resume speaks for itself when it comes to just, you know, playing. You know what I'm saying? Throw all the other stuff out when it comes to just playing. You know what I'm saying? I think it is, you know, I I improved more than enough and I'd improved it with shackles on me. So I think that's the most impressive thing is how I've showed how good I was with shackles. You know? <laughs> <laughs> for real. What do you think about um just the response of, of players when, you know, a lot of guys have been weeded out. A lot of guys have been pushed out. Um, mm -hmm. You saw them try to do it to Melo. Um, seems like they've tried to do it to Kyrie, you know, all the mm -hmm. way back to 
Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf back to Chris mm-hmm. Jackson. Um, what, what do you think about just just how often that happens and and the effect on the game, the effect on players and their mindsets, how they're looking at everything? Mm, I mean, I think it got to happen because, like, it's only 60 positions, but it does need to be done the right way because – you know what I'm saying? Like right now, we got so many pl- young players in the NBA, and not that they don't know how to play, they just need somebody that's showing them, like you know what I'm saying, that's making them pay attention to, like you know what I'm saying. Like now, it's kind of like babysitting almost. So I think you make sure you keep players that allow these people, these young kids, to learn without even like you having to talk to them. They just gonna sit. Like me, when I first got to Atlanta and it was Joe Johnson, Jamal Crawford, Mike Bibby, you ain't got – a coach ain't got to sit me down and be like, watch this. I'm going to do that on my own because, you know, just the respect there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's just, you know, it, it's important that – it's important that we, we we keep gatekeepers of the game in the NBA because we need it to last. Like when I go to Turkey – I'm going to replace an old guy that used to play, that used to be good. He Turkish. He used to be good, but he ain't playing no more. But he's going to get the same check as me because yeah. that's it, they people. You know what I'm saying? I, I but he ain't a... playing the lick. But over here, they don't treat us like that. Like, they treat their own worse than they treat Giannis and Luca. You know what I'm saying? I feel like I feel like they, it need to be some some pros on teams, like older guys. Like, I've, I've been out watching a few games. I watched the Pistons the other day. Like, Corey Joseph is, Corey Joseph is the oldest person on the team. Mm-hmm. And I went to Charlotte Gordon, the oldest person on the team. And they 32, 31. I think it yeah. could be a little bit better. But with that saying, like, how do you feel about Udonis? See, you still need that on the team or what? Mm-hmm. Udonis getting old. Yeah, you don't need him on the team because he. <laughs> <laughs> but he does. You he need it for a certain little aspect, but taking up a roster spot, they do a little too much with that one. <laughs> so you had to have some thoughts when they were going through the media with the Jordan Poole incident and and them talking mm-hmm. about you know some people saying ah oh, scuffles in practice happen all the time and you got other people saying I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. I've been on teams. I mean, I know it's overseas, but I've been on a lot of teams with Scuff. I've been in a few. Mm-hmm. I've seen a few, you know, but yeah. I mean, I think every team kind of goes in is how you how you recover from it. I mean, obviously you put enough numbers, so I guess you. That's a touchy. That, it's for sure a touchy situation because then you're dealing with the person every day. So it was like, you know what I'm saying? The way you feel right now, you might feel different for, in two weeks just looking at this man every day. You know what I'm saying? Right. But I got a lot of, to say that Jordan Poole's, that shit all stemmed from, like, it's no denying Jordan Poole talent. You got to let Jordan Poole be Jordan Poole. Let him hoop, man. It's only going to help a Steph Curry and a Klay Thompson at this point. They too old to start the game hot and finish the game hot. They need some young energy to, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Draymond, you got to move aside a little bit. This Jordan Poole show now. Like, you know what I'm saying? This Jordan Poole shit. Don't be, don't let, don't get in your feelings because, you know, he young and he play, he playful and he talented and girls might like him. It's you got to, man, throw all that aside, man. Because, you know, I look at that, like I when I was with the Wizards, I mean, with the Warriors, I never got to play with Steph and Clay on the court for like just a game. And I've just, you know what I'm saying? I always had to be the one. 
See what uh, that spacing, see what that spacing looking like. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That'd be fun to play. So you got if they'll win two more championships, they let Jordan Poole average 30 along with stuff. You know what I'm saying? And I think it was just some little jealousy from you know, and Jordan Poole wasn't helping. Cause you know you, he looked like he an annoying type person. You know? <laughs> it looked like he, uh, it looked like the coaching staff. You know when Draymond started walking over, the, the coach, he walked right by the coach. It looked like they was like, "Go ahead, I ain't seen nothing." Right. <laughs> I've been on some teams that, like, coaches like they they can't do nothing. They hope a player go 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 smack somebody. I think it was kind yeah. of a situation coming. Yeah, yeah, they, but they I know you, they don't think you're gonna do it. Yeah, but them folks for sure fed up with Draymond shit. <laughs> they fed up with him, but it's at the same time he does bring that element that they need. You know what I'm saying? So uh I got another question for you. Um I never got this play for like a historic franchise. You know, you play with the Boston Celtics up there with Brad. How was that feeling? You know, when y'all travel everywhere y'all go, you got the fans. How was that? It was it was definitely dope. Playing in Boston and starting at the point for that little time I did, it felt different than any other time. For yeah. sure, like I felt the responsibility. When you, you, you start, you you brought that up. When you start, and how did that situation go down? I, I heard a story about that. <laughs> well, Avery Bradley was starting at the first off. Brad, my guy, but Brad, he he was a little confused when he first got in this thing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he tried to start, he tried to start be Bill. I mean, Avery Bradley at the one, Jeff Green at the two, Gerald Wallace at the three. Uh, Jared Selinger at the four, then like Favarani, this overseas dude at the five. So we were struggling. I mean, Avery Bradley couldn't get the ball up the court. So it got to like we was zero four, and be and and coach coach was like, Coach Steve was like, man, I'm about to start you. I was like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> I said we should have been being that. <laughs> I said that in his in his office, man. I said that because I was so like, man, come on, man. Because I was starting in preseason and shit, so I'm like, come on, we'll be wasting time, folks. <laughs> but that was, you know, that's the thing that hurt me in the NBA, bro. It's the same reason why I got there. Like, I got to the NBA. I ain't going to know. I wasn't ranked. I ain't going to no camps or nothing. I got to the NBA just off always being the best player on the court. Yeah. So when you in the NBA, you know, that ain't, that ain't how it go. It don't matter if you're the best nigga. You... And, you know, if you ain't in rotation to play, you ain't going to play. So I cared too much. You know what I'm saying? On teams where they wanted to tank. Like with the Wizards, I would have got paid if I would have just shut up and took some L's for, for two years, three years. I would have got paid. Yeah. But the fact that I care so much, it always rubbed people the wrong way. And it wasn't it wasn't too rub people the wrong way. I was just so passionate about hoop. Like I cared about hoop when I was four years old the way I care about it now. You know what I'm saying? So it kind of rubbed, especially being on bad teams. It it run it rub people the wrong way because they really just trying to do shit just to get through the seats. You know what I'm saying? And the crazy the crazy thing is like the balance the balance is messed up nowadays because you got players that play hard but don't have the passion. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? People mm -hmm. don't understand the difference of the two of those things. Yeah. Um, you know you, you want to try to have both, but but a lot of these guys, you know, they play hard but they don't have the that real passion. Yeah, and that's what I just like. If 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 I go, go talk about my career, it would be that like I really felt like I cared in the situations I was in. I cared too much because I just I can't just you can I can't just become OKC okay, can't just be coming up in the Wizards like man we about to go out man then beat these niggas about forty like that irritated me a little bit yeah. like 
Right. You know what I'm saying? You being you be with the Wizards for a whole year. That's you getting a month four. You like, all right, enough is enough, man. <laughs> they not about just be treating us like we this. You, you didn't even feel like it was a lot of times with the Wizards. You didn't feel like you was in the NBA until you played against some the the Miami Heat or OKC. That's when, like, oh shit, we is in the NBA. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> for real. What would you tell these guys, man? Getting you getting later in your career. Um, Transition is coming, you know. Father time ain't never lost. <laughs> yeah, oh, but um, sure. you know, where where do you see just your experiences or you know things leading? You know this this next group of players coming in, this next generation. Man, I would say just man, and they gotta they gotta understand that it's gonna be adversity, and adversity you gotta go through adversity. Everybody is trying to skip that part, and it's fucking them up on the back end. You know what I'm saying? Like you, the adversity, if you get it, it clears up, it clears up your way you should go about things in the future once you go through adversity. So everybody just seeing, you know, this shit through social media and it's, they never really getting that lesson they need. You know what I'm saying? That's right. So enjoying the ups and the downs y'all gotta accept the ups and the downs understand when it's adversity and when it's okay i need the new situation mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. that's that's where it's hard now because it's so easy to just don't move and you know what i'm saying yeah now would that'd you, be my thing would you get into the uh front office side would you get into the coaching side what do you what are you thinking as far as that stuff consult it <laughs> I will be a consultant for a team. No coaching, no front office. Consult me, and I can bridge the gap for the coaches and the players. I'm that person. I'm the person that can get the coach what they want and the players what they want. Do you, uh, is that where you see yourself in the next five years? Or you still, sure. yourself, or you still see yourself hooping? I, I think I could still hoop, but I think mentally I'd be drained from hooping. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I don't think I. It's just it's a young sport. Like it's it requires too much. But yeah. I for sure want to get into it where it's like I can just give my knowledge without like just having to be just conformed to this one thing. Just being there every single day. Yeah, because I for sure got some some knowledge that if if a kid can get it at 22 instead of 27, ooh, he'd be cold. You know what I'm saying? So that's my thing. You're not going to be on the court playing too much with those legs. You know, we always talk nah. about you're not going to want to lift with those legs. That's going to be over with. <laughs> yeah, it's to take too much. It's just too much work not staying in shape, man. I do this on my own. <laughs> I do it on my own. I don't be having no training, no nothing. I just get up and be like, oh, I got to do it today. Yeah, but you do but, a lot when you're playing, though, if you play enough. Yeah. So what, do you, what do you think about that, just the summer leagues and guys playing? Obviously, Chet got hurt. Um, yeah. you know, I hope there's not any restrictions being put on it, but what do you, how do you feel about guys playing? Should they play more in the summer, train more, rest more? God, I mean, pl- playing rest, playing rest. I think I see that, but a lot of you get hurt because you don't play enough. Right. You got to build up your body and play. That's why it's the same shit. It was like the shit with Kawhi. Kawhi, you and, and I remember my Russian coach did this to us. He was like, man, y'all ain't playing fast enough because in practice, y'all ain't really going. So yeah. we turned up practice, and I really seen the difference. Like, oh, shit, I am ready for tip-off now. Yeah. You you got to play. You got to play. 
No, that's a great point. Like, like why I feel like he stay hurt because he doesn't play enough. Yeah. Davis doesn't play enough. You never see guys who actually play all the time get hurt unless they like break a foot. Something mm-hmm. outrageous and yeah, it happen to anybody. Yeah, like you can't be letting nagging injuries can't keep you out. You know what I'm saying? You your body can build up to where, oh, I can fight through this for sure. Right. But, but like not playing enough. But I can't stand. Like I went to summer league this year. Uh, I think Jalen Suggs is the one in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Top five pick or whatever. They they wasn't that good in a lottery, and he's not playing in summer league now. And he's hurt right now. Mm-hmm. Like it does it, it doesn't make sense to me. But it just it's just how it goes. Or they finally come back. They play. They have a hell of a first game back. Then they sit the next one. You like what? <laughs> hey, bro, what that, start, that started in AAU, man. That starts in AAU. Those yeah. guys be playing well, trying to get their rankings up, avoiding tournaments, avoiding matchups. That's definitely out of that go. Yeah, man. We basketball. We in the. It's a. This is a very vulnerable state. It's in, man. And that's why it's things like. It's other it like that TBT, that shit dope as hell. Like when you be watching it and it get to that point where it's almost that winning time, that's some entertaining ass basketball. You know what I'm saying? And it's because it's like it's original. The essence of the game is involved. The NBA is like, damn, I can it can be an NBA night where it's 10 games on and you flick through the game and it could be six superstars not playing. Like John Moran ain't playing, Jason Tatum ain't playing, Kyrie not playing, Joel and Bead ain't playing. You be like, what the fuck? Like, what I'm gonna watch? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That should be crazy. You have a spot opening up out there in Detroit, um, or reopening, oh, yeah. grand opening, soft opening, whatever you want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. tell us about that, man. You were you were really excited, you know, had energy when you talked about that kind of as a passion of what you wanted to do out there. Oh, yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up, man. It's called Craig Cafe. It's downtown Detroit. It's going to be a a coffee shop, a speakeasy bar, full bar. It's going to be a retail shop, and it's going to be an event space where you can still rent it out. And we didn't have this building since 2017. You know, they didn't put us through a lot of, we got to get permits, liquor license, all type of stuff we didn't have to do. You know, a lot of times down, didn't think it was gonna happen. So it's about it's it's some it's some weeks away from from being done and man, being doing this with my family, it's it's special because I ain't you know what I'm saying, like we just talked about all the teams I've been on. I feel like it's the best team I've been on, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Putting this together with my family. It's crazy that we this close. And we doing it together, you know what I'm saying? We own the property and the business. So it's like, you know, we it's, it, we in a very good position. We just got to keep going. So Craig Cafe on East Jefferson, downtown Detroit. All right, so if I gave you 24 seconds, give you a full shot clock. Well, no, nah, we, we play at pace on this podcast. I'm going to give you 14 <laughs> seconds, all right? You're on the radio. You're talking directly to the people of Detroit. Sell the Craig Cafe. Ready? Oh, that's a good one. Hold on, you know, say that. <laughs> 14 seconds, playing with pace, baby. Get it down the court and score a bucket. Here we go, starting now. It's the first of its kind. You know, it's going to be a place where you can do business and create business. You know, it's going to be a lot of like-minded people. Four, and it's a bar. Three, 
And you know what I'm saying? It's the ball. <laughs> <laughs> nah, good job, man. Didn't mean to put you on the spot, but. Nah, I like know, that. Play with shot clock, baby. You gotta know how to <laughs> make things happen. Hey, y'all, you know, you're not, you not creating a shot. Don't worry about it, man. <laughs> <laughs>